0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Patriot to the Core podcast. I, of course, am Thad Forrester. Appreciate you listening once again. Uh, today we will talk to Ryan Mannion boric And uh, she is the president of the Travis Mannion Foundation. And she's also the sister to Travis Mannion, who was killed in action in 2007. And he was a Marine, and so I've, I have followed the Travis Mannion Foundation for quite some time and they do a lot of good work so i'm glad to to have her on and have her tell us a little bit about what the foundation does and also just tell us some about her brother because i have read the book brothers forever which is about uh travis and also his best friend brendan looney who is a seal so it's a great book it's written it's co-written by um Travis's dad, you know, Ryan's dad, Colonel Tom Mannion, and also Tom Saleo. Uh, Tom is also a friend of mine. Uh, We have done a book signing together before we were actually at Dreamland Barbecue in Northport, Alabama, back in uh, about a year and a half ago. So uh, we had had a great time uh, with that event and appreciate everybody that came out way back then. Uh, but anyway we'd love to hear from you so please uh, shoot me an email if you have any questions about the show if you have any suggestions maybe for guests or uh, you know just maybe just for how the show should should be run maybe questions I should ask uh, shoot me an email at uh, thad at patriot to the but appreciate your support Uh, also uh, please go to iTunes and rate us Uh, go over there and just go ahead and a five-star rating click that that far right star and which will highlight all all the stars uh, but actually um i kind of kid when i say that but just you know just please give me an honest rating and, and write a review please so we can get as much attention as possible um but anyway appreciate you being with me today uh, i'll go ahead and and get ryan on board with us, and I think you'll enjoy hearing from her. Please be patient because the audio is not as good. We've got a thunderstorm, and so it's kind of really jacked up the the internet today. Uh, but will uh, it should it's mostly all um, audible. Just 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 a few spots that are that are kind of uh, that are spotty, but uh, it's it shouldn't be too bad. So we'll go ahead and bring her in. Well, Ryan, it's great to have you. I, I thank you for for carving out some time during your day to talk with me. Uh, I have followed the Travis Mannion Foundation for several years. I would say since late 2010, and always been very impressed by it. Uh, but I, I think before we started, before we start talking about your your foundation, I'd like to talk about your brother Travis. Do you mind mm-hmm. just describing to me? You know, just tell me about him. And I know he um, he was killed in action. He was a Marine, and just maybe describe him, and then maybe how he inspired the creation of the Travis Mannion Foundation.
1: Sure, so um, my brother Travis, we were um, very close, 15 months apart. I was was, uh, the older sibling, Um, and we were born into a military family. My dad is a retired colonel in the Marine Corps, so we did a lot of moving around as um, children, and um, in that respect, you don't have a lot of time to make close friends. You know, you're in some, you're in a, in an area for two years or less, and you're moving on to the next, next place. So, um, that person that is, is, there for you at all times and kind of knows what you've been through and what you've gone through. So, so in that respect, Travis and I grew very close uh, as siblings. You know, both based off of, you know, our upbringing and also the fact that uh, we were just 15 months apart. Um, Travis, as a young kid and a teenager in high school, he was very much excelled in everything he did. And you could kind of tell at a young age that he had a drive inside of him that was, I would say, not the norm. Um, he was very driven and passionate. And, and while most kids are kind of very much stuck in the present, Travis was always looking towards the future and looked towards making choices that would help him uh, to better himself in the future. Um, Travis went to the Naval Academy and he graduated from there in 2004. And he followed in my dad's footsteps uh, to be a Marine. And and you know, by no means was that my dad telling him, you know, you got to go Marine Corps. That was that was purely a decision that Travis made on his own. And went into the Marine Corps and uh, became part of First Recon Battalion. Uh, Travis went to Iraq for his first tour of duty in 2005. Um, and I think he had a bit of a slower deployment there in Iraq. Um, he was part of the election that was taking place in Iraq, but uh, um, he was very much behind our, but supporting was log- a logistics officer. Um, and, and, you know, to me and my mom, you know, that was, very, that was great. You know, we wanted him kind of behind a desk, not really in the fight, but I sure. think he felt like he was missing a little bit. Uh, So, he got back from his first deployment, and it was actually on his second, uh, when he got back, he was found out uh, that he had to leave for a second deployment fairly quickly. Um, So, he deployed again in 2006. It was actually the day after Christmas in 2006. Uh, We lost Travis in 2007, April 29. Uh, While he was attached to a military transition team, he was helping to train uh, the Iraqi army. Um, So, you know, obviously a devastating blow to to
0: me and my family. Certainly. So how did you find out about Travis's death?
1: Uh, I actually happened to be at my parents' house that weekend with my uh, oldest child. She was my only child at the time. She was uh, almost a year old. And we I lived in New Jersey, and I'd driven up for the weekend. Um, My mom just said, why don't you come up for the weekend? And and I did. And and I happened to be at my parents' house Sunday. We were having a a family barbecue. I had invited a bunch of our family over. um, And, you know, we're there. And, you know, you get that knock on the door and, you know, it, it, you've been through it. It's almost a state of disbelief. You know, I I really couldn't process it at first. And I just kept saying, this is just so unfair. Um, and I remember, you know, as much as I don't remember, I remember just screaming over and over, it's, it's not fair, it's not fair.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, it's just... It is so surreal to, to open the door to see those, the man at the door. I mean, because my my parents and I had simultaneous notifications at Marks Request, so we lived an hour and a half apart. So, oh, wow. a couple of minutes after the knock was on my parents' door, then my door was knocked on. So, yeah, it's 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 just an awful crazy thing. Um, how how do you mind describing um, Travis's last, what he was doing in his final battle?
1: Sure, so um, Travis actually woke up that morning, um, and we knew when Travis was on this deployment that it was very different. I mean, he kind of, without saying so much to my mom and I, uh, he shared much more with my husband and my father, but we knew that uh, he was going to be much more in the fight. Um, And uh, uh, when he got over there, you know, when he was on his first deployment, I felt I honestly felt like he was in California. It was very easily accessible if I emailed him. He emailed right back. He was able to call me quite frequently. And when he got out to over to Iraq the second time, um, there was very limited communication. Um, so we knew that he was in a very dangerous role and um, things were much different than they were the first time over there. Uh, he woke up on April 29th and he was actually, they were out on patrol almost daily and he woke up that morning and had been assigned to uh, hand out school supplies at a local school, kind of almost take a breather and do some humanitarian work. And there was actually another lieutenant that came into his room that morning and shared with him that he was in bad headspace, and he just wasn't feeling good about things, and he was supposed to go out on patrol that day. And he shared with us that, you know, without hesitation, Travis said, Hey, listen, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm supposed to go hand out school supplies. You take my job and I'll, I'll go out on patrol. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, we don't have a lot of contact with that lieutenant. Um, and I think a lot of it is, you know, almost a bit of that survivor's guilt, you know, with all the people that were uh, served with Travis and we, we created these incredible bonds. He's the one person that we don't, you know, we don't hear from as much. So it, I always find that kind of interesting, but, um, but Travis went out on patrol that day, and um, they were ambushed um, and and ended up being attacked from three different uh, sides. Um, and his medic uh, was hit, and Travis uh, exposed himself to enemy cover and pulled him to safety. Uh, and then another one of his teammates was hit as well, and Travis again exposed himself um, to pull him back to safety. And you know, from, from the, the accounts on the ground and his citation and everything we've been told, they were in a very desperate situation where somebody really had to expose themselves and, and lay fire, um, in order for them to make it out. And, and Travis did just that. He, for a third time, exposed himself to enemy fire with, um, with his, uh, weapons. And it was, I believe he was reloading um, and don't quote me on the name of the gun, but (laughs) reloading a big gun, and, uh, at that time that he was hit by an, uh, enemy sniper, but, um, they said that he had laid down enough fire that it, it it drove the enemy away, and they were able to be medevaced out of there, um, unfortunately, the only one that, but, uh, he received a silver star for his actions, and, and it actually states right at the bottom of his citation that, uh, Every member of his uh, team was uh, uh, survived that day because of Travis's action.
0: Wow. Well, and for those listening that don't know, uh, Silver Star is the third highest award for valor that you can get in combat. So that that's impressive. And and Ryan, I didn't know that about the um, how he he kind of he told the other guy to to take his job that day. I, I, I'm guessing that's in the book, but I yeah. just don't remember it. Um, I believe it is in the book, yeah, but it's it's, it's very brief. So okay, um, there is a there's definitely something I remember not only from the book but also the movement that you have with the Travis Manion Foundation is the if not me then who? Do you mind describing what uh, the, how that started the conversation? I think he was speaking with your husband at a, at a football game, but yeah. maybe you can correct me yep. and, and describe how that came about.
1: Sure. So. Um, my brother, we we said he lived by the motto, of if not me, then who? And and he only actually spoke those words uh, that we heard just once, but but that was kind of the idea that he lived by. When Travis got back from his first deployment and found out he was leaving very quickly for a second deployment, he was stationed in um, Camp Pendleton. He came back to um, the East Coast. We're from the Philadelphia area. And um, he had a couple weeks to spend time with with us and his friends. And one of the things he did was was attend an Eagles game. And this was just days before he left. And him and my husband went to an Eagles game. And he said that uh, my husband said, you know, we were we were at the Eagles game and we're trying to have a good time. And I'm trying to put it out of my head that your brother's leaving again so quickly. So you know, we're in the parking lot drinking beers and eating burgers and uh, I'm just trying to be in the moment and enjoy my time with Travis, but it was really eating at me. And after the game, uh, my husband said like, something got the best of them and as they came upon a flight of stairs, he said, Travis, why don't we push you down the stairs? Maybe you'll break your ankle and you won't have to go back to Iraq. And and he said my brother got real serious with him and, and looked at him and didn't say anything at first. And then he followed with, you know, Dave, if I don't go back to Iraq, then somebody much less prepared for the job is gonna go in my place. Then Dave said, and he said, "If not me, then who?" And you know, Dave came home that night and he was like, "Wow, well, you know, uh, here I am telling your brother I'm gonna push him down the stairs, and this is the answer that he gives me." And um, we realized that you know that was the night he spoke those five words, but that was the, the five words he lived by each and every day. And we started to find and cite different examples, even as a young child, where he demonstrated what it means to live by "if Not Me, Then Who. And, and so we've taken those five words and, and we've built them into a national movement. And the whole idea is that you take the idea of "if Not Me, Then Who, you take those five words and, and how can both those that serve in it live a life of character? And uh, we believe the way you can do that is by waking up each morning and challenging yourself to have an if-not-me-then-who moment.
0: What are some things, some uh, specific things you all have done with the foundation to build off of that, those five words, if-not-me-then-who?
1: Um, that's a big question. I mean, our, our foundation is built upon the idea that we can connect the veteran community to our next generation uh, in hopes that uh, – we can play a part in creating that next generation of leaders. So we have veterans from all across the country that are working as everything from presenters at student bodies to mentors to at-risk youth. Um, The idea is that they can share their examples of service and leadership with our youth and that they can, in turn, be servant leaders right in their own backyards.
0: Well, you've got a lot of uh great videos. I, I get in the emails from you uh from the foundation and and I I'm always I love watching the videos because they're not only are they high quality, but they really do have uh, inspirational messages and and you seem to have quite a lot of quite a lot of videos. So, you're doing a great job with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I wanted to go back um something that I wanted to talk about. This this made, you know, tug at the emotions just a little bit, but, um, at, at, after you're notified of his death, how, how did you and, you know, your parents or you and your family, you know, deal with that short, you know, immediately? And then how did that change or has it changed in this, in the years since, how have you dealt with his death?
1: Um, you know, when, I will talk in in the immediate. I remember um, actually the day that we laid Travis to rest. um, I remember my dad kind of huddling us all together, my mom, my husband, and I, and and really just saying, listen, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's us now, and we have to continue on um, making Travis proud. And continue his legacy by making sure that, that we do the right things that, uh, we take advantage of each and every day. And, um, no, I didn't realize it at the time. You know, we all kind of committed to that in that room, um, the day we buried Travis, but really that's kind of been the driver for all of us. Um, we've kind of thrown our head down and kept busy and, and made sure that, uh, that we were doing work that was, um, in honor to his name um, you know grief is a funny thing and I'm sure you've experienced it too you uh, it can seem like forever ago and it can seem like just yesterday and so I think on a personal aspect you kind of have to process that and and you kind of have to take the ebbs and flows as they come but at the end of the day you know for me it's about just moving forward and making sure that um, I'm making Travis proud honestly
0: yeah what role have the marines played in his death have they been have you stayed, have they been in touch with you been a big support
1: they yeah, have you know we're uh, we're a marine corps family so um uh, regardless of uh, my brother entering into the marine Corps you know i i grew up in a marine Corps household and it was uh it was what i knew so um the Marine Corps, as an organization, has been wonderful to us, and and certainly Travis's uh, teammates, uh, those that he served with, um, have been amazing as well. And and you tr- you, you you certainly feel that sense of uh, the few and the proud, you know, when when you talk about the Marine Corps. It is a um, it's a tight knit bunch with a lot of connections, and at the end of the day, everybody who knows their person and um, and it's been wonderful to see, um, how they've embraced Travis's legacy. Um, they have, uh, down in Quantico, one of their new barracks, uh, at TBS is, uh, is named Mannion Hall. Um, so there are, uh, groups of Marines that are going through there each and every day that are learning Travis's story and his sacrifice. And, um, you know, it's, it's really kind of neat for me to meet, uh, Marines that, you know, I didn't know and didn't know my brother. And when I mentioned his name or, let them know who I am, you know, they're kind of blown away, and um, they share that same camaraderie for what truck is represented for the Marine Corps.
0: That's good to hear because, you know, I only have the perspective, really, of the Air Force and uh, some Army, but so I, I never, I didn't really know. I mean, I, I obviously I assumed that the Marines would, would be similar in that way to support the families, and I'm glad to hear that they do. And, you know, with, with your brother, I want to ask you, as a sibling, uh, your brother's name is out there not only just because he died for our country. I mean, there's a, there's a book about him, Brothers Forever. Um, he you know he, he's been President Obama has talked about him and and, and Brendan uh, at uh, on Memorial Day in 2011 I believe. Um, you've mm-hmm. been on news outlets. I've seen you on, on on TV a few times speaking about the foundation about your brother. So his name is definitely out there. Have you? Um, do you, do you feel, or have you ever felt this sense of, uh, this protective instinct as his sister, maybe to protect his name or to make sure that, you know, no one is, um, I don't know, either using his name in vain or, um, um, I don't know, just, just maybe, maybe so just using his name negatively.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I, I feel that, Uh, I'm very protective, especially um, about the foundation, because we have, um, which started as a small little memorial fund that my mom started, Um, we now have a national veteran service organization called the Travis Mannion Foundation. And, um, you know, we laugh because I say that Travis would be so proud and honored by the work that's happening here. And I know that. If he were here, he would be right in the mix and be a a huge part of it. Um, But I often say the one thing that probably continues to drive him crazy is the fact that we named it the Travis Manion Foundation because Mm -hmm. he's such a humble individual that um, I'm sure he doesn't like that uh, his name's out there like that. Um, So, you know, I'm protected in that approach because... Uh, we're such a big organization now. Um, I will always want to make sure that we're doing the right things and that we're being responsible um, to our constituents. Uh, and knowing at the end of the day um, that my brother's names, uh, you know, uh, on the name tag, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very protective of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I figured so. So uh, yeah, that's that's interesting to hear. Um, I guess before we talk a little bit more about the foundation, you said your mom started it. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I know, uh, I'm also sorry here, I know your mom died a few years ago. Uh, Maybe, uh, I think it was from cancer, but... um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, And she was actually buried at Arlington next to Travis. Mm -hmm. Uh, How how did that come about and why did you all feel that was important to make happen?
1: Well, you know, that's, that's interesting. Um, it, it, that really wasn't the case for Travis and my mom to be buried together. It was, um, that was kind of a, a technicality. Um, on Arlington's part, my dad is, um, my dad retired in 2008 from the Marine Corps, but his official retirement did not come until he was 60 years of age. Um, when my mom died, my dad, uh, was 58. So, um, with two years uh, to go, he actually was not eligible uh, for burial at Arlington. Hence, my mom was not eligible for burial at Arlington. Um, I don't know, you know, how you look at it as, as a good thing or a bad thing, but because Travis was buried at Arlington, they gave us uh, an allowance for my mom to be buried with Travis until the age of 60. You know, when my dad turned 60 and he was um, – he was able to be buried at Arlington. So um, my dad is now in his 60s, and my mom is able to have her own uh, plot. So um, the, the plan is, um, in the very near future, to move my mom where she will rest, uh, hopefully, in Section 60, where Travis is, um, at the headstone that will
0: um, eventually be for her and my dad. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So she's not buried next to Travis right now?
1: She's not next to him. She's well. She's in the same plot. She's on top of him.
0: Okay. Okay. And so
1: she, he's actually buried next to Brendan Looney, his roommate from the Naval Academy.
0: Okay. Yeah, do, you, do you mind uh, talking just a little bit about uh, their Brendan and Travis's friendship, and then how? Because uh, I thought I believe Travis was originally buried in, in Pennsylvania, or in, in Pen, yeah Pennsylvania, then.
1: In Pennsylvania, yes, he was. So. Um, Travis's roommate at the Naval Academy and one of his uh, best friends, Brendan Looney. He was um, they obviously graduated together in 2004, very close, and um, Brendan was very much there for us after the loss of Travis. And he uh, went on to become a Navy SEAL. Um, Brendan was killed in 2010, um, in September of 2010, and at the time. Um When his wife was notified, um, who was also very close with our family, his wife Amy had um, stated that she wanted Travis and Brendan buried next to each other. Uh, Travis had actually been buried in a family plot right outside of Philadelphia, um, even though he had shared with uh, several family and friends before he left to our, for Iraq, including myself. He had said, you know if anything happens to me um." I'd like to be buried at Arlington, and I kind of brushed his request aside and said, "You know, we're not having this conversation." Um, my mom very much wanted Travis close, so um, and she went and she uh, visited him a lot. So we, um, so you know, my dad and I were not going to push the button on moving Travis to Arlington. But I also think she, she too, would not. Fully committed to that being Travis's final resting space because, um, you know, we never even put up a tombstone at uh, a gravestone at his uh, site. He had a a wooden cross that uh, marked his grave site and um, we started having conversations actually a little bit before Brendan died about, you know, making the move down to Arlington. And I think my mom was starting to come around to that idea. And it was when Brendan was killed and Amy made the request that she wanted them buried next to each other. My mom finally said, you know, I'm ready to make this move. So we got a special exception from the Secretary of the Army to um, move Travis to Arlington very quickly. So um, they zoomed his uh, casket on a Monday. And, um in Philadelphia, and, you know, by that Friday, we were burying him at Arlington, and then the following Monday, we buried Brendan next to him.
0: Wow. Well, the their their friendship is definitely highlighted in this book, Brothers Forever, and it really is an yeah. exceptional story of, of a loyalty to each other, and, and of course, loyalty to our country and to fighting yeah. terrorism. Uh, it's a great book, so I'll definitely have a link in the show notes to, uh, to the book. Great. By the way, I've got two copies. I've got the one that I purchased, uh, you know, when it first came out, and I've got the one that your dad signed. Your dad and Tom Saleo um, signed for me about a year and a half ago. Oh, wonderful! Um, I so so I'd like to talk about the foundation now. How did it? Mm-hmm. How soon did it did it start? You know, after Travis's death, and then um, maybe talk about some of the activities because I know there's one coming up in, in West Virginia. And uh, you probably have some more coming up maybe in Montana or some other areas, and maybe even uh, internationally, so if, if you it may, that may be a broad question, but maybe speak as as much as you'd like about it.
1: sure so um, foundation was formed you know very much um, immediately following Travis's death. my mom started uh, a memorial fund. it was actually friends of my parents. Um, Uh, Right after Travis was killed, they went to a local bank and set up a bank account there and it was, you know, in lieu of flowers, send donations to the Travis Manning Memorial Fund. And and we found ourselves, uh, after all the services, with um, a large amount of money um, and not really knowing at first what we were going to do with it. So we started this organization knowing that we wanted to continue providing support to veterans and families of the fallen. Um, and we do everything, you know, you touched on West Virginia. We have, um, one of the things we do with Families of the Fallen are called expeditions, where we take families all across the world essentially on service trips. And, and the whole idea is that they can honor loved one through service to others. So they'll be going to West Virginia to help with the relief efforts for the flood there. Um, we just had a group get back, gosh, last week from... I think that's when they were in Montana. They just got back last week from Montana. We have a group going to New Mexico where they will spend a week on a Navajo Nation and rebuild um, some buildings there. We take a group to Guatemala every year, and they build a house in a week for a family that's never lived in a house before. Um, and these families coming together, number one, it's, it's, again, that shared sense of camaraderie. All these families have gone through uh, the worst tragedy that you can ever think of, and, and we all become part of this club that you never be, want to become a part of, but at the same time, you want to be able to meet other people that have shared uh, that experience with you, so they're able to come together for a week and, and um, build bonds that will truly last a lifetime, but in the same sense, they're also able to come and uh, continue their loved one's legacy by um, continuing their legacy of service, essentially. Uh, Along with um, the work we do for Gold Star Families, I shared with you a little bit about the work we're doing with connecting youth and veterans. Uh, And that's an important initiative for us because uh, we feel that we are tackling two national issues, and that is um, character education in our youth and, and how we're helping our veterans to transition. And we found tremendous results and the idea of our veterans playing a part in helping to create that next generation of leaders.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great thought. I think it's a great plan to get the veterans involved to, to, to mentor and teach these youth. I mean, I think, see, see your found the Travis Manion Foundation is, is exactly what my podcast is about. Um, You know, this is a new podcast, but uh, just so you know, it's, it's really it's to talk to great Americans and most of my my guests are or will be military, but not all. I mean, I, I, one of my guests has has been someone who started a um, a natural a, a foundation where he um, responds to natural disasters, and so he's always ready. He works for himself, so he can do this easily. When there's a natural disaster in the world, if 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 it's bad enough or if there's enough deaths, he goes. And he can yeah. leave within twenty four hours and he goes and serves he works with the salvation army he g p s tags you know usually he goes to the rural areas and tags orphanages or um homes or you know hospitals or whatever it is and um you know people look to him they think he's some type of military leader, but really he's just a he's just a passionate guy that just is there to serve and he's now developed these relationships with with the Red Cross or with the salvation Army i should say so uh, I mean, what you're doing is—I uh, think it's just—it's—it's it's inspiring, and and I would I definitely want to help you spread the word so people know the good the Travis Mania Foundation is doing. Oh, thank you. I know that you um, you take part in the Marine Corps Marathon every year in D.C. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's a there's a team, I believe, a Team Travis and Team Brendan. Or do you mind explaining what that is?
1: Sure. So we are um, one of the official charity partners of the Marine Corps Marathon, and, and that all started because in two weeks before Travis was killed, he actually called my dad and asked my dad to run the marathon with him. He had never run a marathon. My dad had run the Marine Corps Marathon a few times and had kind of retired his running shoes uh, to that level. Uh, he was still an avid runner, but not really at marathon running. And, and um My dad said, you know, there was really nothing that was going to get me to to run a marathon again other than your brother saying run a marathon with me. So Travis and my dad both signed up for the marathon to run together. And um, after he was killed, my dad dad said, you know, I'm still going to run the marathon. I'm going to run with my bib and I'm going to run with Travis's. So we had a really grassroots effort where a ton of people came together and said, we're going to run the marathon with you, Tom. One of those people was actually Brendan Looney ran the marathon with us we called ourselves team travis and we got out there and we just we ran for travis um and and that continued to grow um where we started fundraising efforts each and every year and, and had a big group of people come together uh, along with the marathon running the 10k with us um and in 2010 in september when Brennan was killed um and knowing what an integral part he was of, of that marathon each and every year, we, we switched our name to Team Travis and Brendan. Uh, and um, we've been running for Team Travis and Brendan ever since. This year we're coming up, actually, uh, it'll be 10 years um, uh, that we've been running the marathon uh, as Team Travis and Team Travis and Brendan. So... We've got a a large group. We have over 200 marathon runners running with us and um, a ton more of 10 Kers because that's the easy thing to do, right? Um, But we've got this fantastic group and we're out on the course and there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of passion and inspiration when you're out there because, you know, uh, it's no small feat to run 26.2 miles. So to know the amount of training that put it, that people put in and and on top of that, fundraise for the foundation—it's—it's it's really all inspiring. And and the Marine Corps Marathon is probably one of the most inspiring races you'll ever see with all the wounded uh, service members that take place. It's just stunning, uh, and, and there's a ton of Gold Star families that participate. You know, I remember when I ran the marathon, I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself at the starting line, and. uh I, you know, I'm like, what the heck did I sign up for? This is too much. And I remember looking and there was a woman in front of me and she had a shirt on and, um, the back of her shirt said running in honor of my husband, um, you know, killed in Iraq and it had his dates. And then underneath it said, and my brother killed in Iraq and it had his dates. And I was like, wow, you know, and, and, and I thought like that's, that's the pinnacle, right, of what you're going to see. But you see stuff like that all over the, the race course. So truly, um, uh, it's not just your two legs that are carrying you. It's, it's all of these men and women who have given their lives in and, and service to our country. You can really feel them with you as you're running out there.
0: How did that affect your running ability after you read that and realized what she was doing it for?
1: Um, uh, I mean, I was still incredibly slow, but it it uh, it helped me to finish the race uh, I mean, nothing was going to not let me finish that marathon, but again, you know you get to a point where you're running a marathon that like your body it, it your body's done at a certain point you know and and if you don't have something that's pushing you to keep going like that. Uh, and like my brother and, and all these men and women, if you don't have something that's pushing you, I, I don't know how people finish a marathon without having some sort of inspiration behind them
0: like that. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and, and I agree with you too. I mean, that, I, I've never ran a marathon. I don't plan to. I may do oh, a half fun. <laughs> yes, this
1: year. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. I shouldn't <laughs> have said that. Uh, I, I have. I've ran. I'm not much of a runner, but I do enjoy pushing myself. So I should say never. I shouldn't say never because. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a great it's a great cause and great motivation for, for Team Travis and Brendan and, and um, you know I love doing things to push myself in honor of my brother as well so uh, I, I, I won't say never I take that back because uh, one day I probably will do something like that yeah. uh, You, I, I want to ask you uh, I guess I want to ask this in a different way you you probably answered the question but maybe if there's more there um, what, what really what motivates you to, to keep the foundation growing and, and just to keep running the foundation?
1: Um, I mean, the motivation behind keeping the foundation going is the impact that we're having. You know, when I, when I can see the positive change that's happening in the eyes of the veterans that we work with in the eyes of the kids that we're affecting, um, the monumental changes that are happening with the gold star families that we support, um, where they enter into our organization as one person, and um, you know we see them in a place of really despair. And uh, in a short amount of time, they're mentoring other Gold Star families. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me going, knowing that we have important work. And um, you know, if 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 we're not doing it, who will? Right? If not me, then who?
0: Um, really, at the end of the day. That's a great way to look at it. What What do you do? To um, keep Travis's memory alive with your kids, because uh, well, your your oldest child does she how much does she remember Travis and the other ones weren't even alive?
1: Right. Um. You know, my oldest likes to likes to tease her younger siblings by saying that she she knew Travis, um, but she was eleven months old. So <laughs> she I, I don't really think uh, she claims she has memories. I'm not I'm not quite sure of that, but. Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, it, it's very, it's not hard at all to keep Travis's memory alive. You know, I think my kids are such a, you know, they see what I'm doing every day, so, uh, they know his story very well. For me, I want to make sure that I'm sharing very personal stories about Travis because they, they see the organization and they see his name out there on t-shirts, but I want to make sure that they always know who Travis was to me as an individual. Um, my son, uh, lives on as Travis Brendan, so, um You know, he's not gonna have a hard time knowing uh, who who he's uh, named after. He's only two, but um, but I think he's he's going to very quickly find out uh, who his namesake was, and um, so it's not a hard thing to do. We talk about Travis a lot, and um, and they uh, you know even though they didn't know Travis, I think that they do have an understanding of who he represented as an individual.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I had a interview, uh, episode four of the podcast was with Phil Taylor of the American Fallen Soldiers Project, and yeah, uh, yeah. I would imagine that you got one of those beautiful paintings of, of Travis yeah. for him. Uh, and I, actually, I did see where Phil made one. He painted one for of your mom as well. I, I do he
1: believe. did, yeah. Yeah it, was, it's uh, yeah, it was wonderful. He actually delivered the painting of Travis. It was actually just um, a couple of days before my mom uh, passed from cancer. Um, so she was really touched that she was able to
0: see that. Oh, good, good. Would you ever want your sons or your, your children that, to serve in the military? Um,
1: I want my kids to do whatever makes them happy um, and fulfill in life. So, um, and I think, it's, uh, I think it's an incredible honor to serve your country, so I would have no problem if they chose a life of military service.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, I know my dad, because uh, we're not a military family, really. I mean, I have a brother okay. in the Air Force, but he's in the medical field; he's a doctor, and oh, okay. so he, so he's never had to, you know, deploy. And um, so when Mark was going to join, and Mark enlisted after gra- after college, I know my, my dad had said he's like, look, I've, I've never wanted my kids to serve because I know what that means, but at the same time, right. we've got to have we got to have people doing it. We got to have good good men and women out there fighting for us right uh, what uh, maybe in closing uh, Ryan, what would you want what do you want everyone to know about your brother Travis
1: um you know I think what I want people to know about Travis is that he represents this generation of men and women. Um, I'm fortunate as an individual to have a organization that's that's grown to the national level um, so many people are, Familiar with his name and and his background, um, but I think he represents this generation of men and women who have stepped up to serve, and and his story is not unlike m- most of these men and women. Um, so I think it's important for us to understand um, as we as we honor their sacrifices, to also understand the loss, the loss of of how much more men like Travis and men like your brother had to give, right? Um, I often think, what would Travis be doing now? Um, and I know that he would be such a contributing member of this society. Um, I think he still contributes uh, through the work that's happening in his name, but but I think that's, at the end of the day, that's what I want people to know, that um, these men and women made this choice to step up and serve their country, and how fortunate are we um, to have this next generation that was willing to do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you've really, I mean, you've taken something uh, tragic and and tough and really made it into something very um, just influencing across the world, and it's and it's continuing to grow. So, the the work you're doing is touching, has touched, and is will continue to touch many many lives. And there's just, I mean, you anybody can look at the videos that you make and just tap as a small sampling of, of how people are, are touched and uplifted and maybe some people, uh, you know, some people are brought out of their shell, you know, by, by getting out and serving and, and um, working alongside other gold star families or other people going through some difficult times. And uh, so you're, I really commend you for what you're doing and, and uh, we'll, I'll continue to, to follow and to support the Travis Manion foundation. Thank you. Has there, has there been anything that you've learned about your brother, you know, since his death that you, that you didn't know beforehand?
1: Um, I've heard lots of different stories that I never knew, um, while he was alive and, um, I can't think of anything, you know, mind blowing. I mean, you, you hear stories like his last day, right? Where, um, that was who Travis was, right? Where he was uh, prepared to have an easy day, and it just took um, one person kind of voicing their hesitation and my brother, you know, without a blink of an eye, saying, I'll step up and take your place. And, you know, I hear stories like that a lot, um, and I love hearing them, but they don't surprise me. And it is just reflective of, of who he was.
0: Yeah, he's a great example. I, I, I'm actually, I'm very glad you told that story, since I, especially because I didn't know it. But the listeners, that's really good for for everyone else to hear too. Uh, is there anything in closing uh, that you'd like to say, either about you, your family, or Travis, or or the foundation?
1: No, I, I mean, I think we we covered a lot of it. You know, I, I encourage uh, all your listeners to become a part of the work we're doing. You know, there's incredible volunteer opportunities. Um, and, you know, you can log on to website at travismanion.org and find out more about the different events that we have happening all across the country. And and I hope that um, if there's Gold Star families listening, that um, they'll get involved and, and we can help them to carry on their loved one's legacy of service.
0: Ryan, thank you very much. I, I, I really appreciate your time and for um, making time to get with me. I know it wasn't easy with our, with our schedules. So it's been an honor and yeah. I'm, I'm great to learn more about your brother.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate talking to you today, Pat.